0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Doctors Running Podcast, where we, a group of doctors physical therapy, discuss the art and science of running and the stuff that we put on our feet. Today's episode 121, episode 121, and it's feeling like those numbers are creeping up pretty quickly. It's been fun to be very consistent with it through 2022. We're actually recording this on New Year's Day. So this is our first episode that we're recording of the new year of 2023. And we're excited to see what this year has in store for us. But at the round table today is just Andrea, Dr. Myers and myself. So Andrea, I'm glad that we get to do an episode together.
1: Yeah, this is great. This is our first uh... Nathan and Andrea episode.
0: (laughs) So you'll have to tell us if we should do it again or call it quits after one.
1: (laughs) Be honest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, be honest. Um, No, but we're excited. Today we're going to be talking about a lot of different things that all center around winter running. We're going to be talking about some of the tips that we found that help with running outside during the winters. We both live in the colder climates of all of the testers and doctors of running, so we thought it would be apt for us to kind of discuss this topic and some of our strategies that we use. Maybe some of the physiological changes that happen with colder running and some of the gear that we have found helpful. Not necessarily for me. I don't know about you, Andrea, the gear that I have that I'm going to talk about isn't necessarily even available anymore because it's stuff that I've gotten years ago that I love. So yeah. um, there's some stuff that's available, but just some principles that we'll try to to give uh, as we walk through this episode. And then we're going to go and talk about treadmill running for those of us or in those times where running outside isn't an option. We'll go and we'll talk about the differences of treadmill running versus overground running, both from a biomechanics perspective, physiological perspective, muscle demand perspective, all of those things. And we'll talk about what considerations you might have if you decide to do some treadmill running during the winter time. So we're excited to do both of these. But what has winter been like for you so far uh, in Connecticut?
1: We've had a pretty mild winter so far. Although when I came back from South Carolina a few weeks ago, we had a snap of like teens and even single digits for like a week and a half, which was Mm -hmm. a rough welcome to winter. So I definitely got to test out some of the Winter shoes and clothing that we've gotten over the past couple of months. Um, but today, New Year's Day, it's in the 50s. It's sunny. Oh, wow. It's beautiful. So, Connecticut winters are so variable. You can have 70 degrees in January or you can oh have gosh. two feet of snow. Yeah. You've just got to be ready for anything. And that's, cr- it's got to
0: be ocean related because we're at about the same latitude or lat- longitude, whatever. We're about the same height <laughs> when yeah. it comes to things. But, <laughs> but the ocean must, mess with things.
1: It does. Yeah. Yeah. It's Connecticut is really interesting. It's a small state, but even if you go like 20 miles North, it's like a different climate simply because of elevation difference and distance from the water.
0: Yeah. That's great.
1: How so you've had a your- pretty
0: pretty mild one so far. We've had a really interesting stretch. Uh, it, it, it was so mild through the beginning of December. And then we got this huge dumping of snow where we oh. got two big storms of like 8 to 10 inches. So we got 20 inches about of snow over a couple weeks stretch. So we had a lot of snow. Um, but right before that came, we had this huge ice storm. So underneath all of the snow is this layer of ice, which oh, now gosh. and then we got this like huge drop in temperatures so i think it it stretched across a lot of the country i know that bj in texas and bach even in south carolina got hit with some of the same stream that hit us but there were days where the high was like negative 11 and wind chill of negative 37 so it was really really cold um and then now we're having like 40s right now which is unheard of in january for us so this is what everything's melting outside and now the streets are basically just like the, the streets where I live out in the country a little bit more are basically all ice because all of the snow is melted and now that ice layer is is exposed. So it's been an interesting stretch. And what's been weird for me is I've been sick a lot. So um, my outdoor running has been not as frequent as it could have been. But
1: well, I been guess it helps winter. when the weather isn't conducive to running outside when you're sick. At least it yes. makes you feel a little better <laughs> that you're not missing anything good.
0: Totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs>
1: So um, our subjective for today's episode is what is your number one tip for getting through a winter of training, whether it's clothing or shoes or hand warmers? What do you do so you can still run outside when it's really cold out? Or Leave a, a mindset. Comment. Yeah, a mindset, yep. <laughs> Imagine yourself being warm. Yes.
0: So yeah, like you said, feel free to drop a comment let us know what what gets you through it and we'd love to hear. So we're going to first start talking about uh, both of us talked it before this episode, if we can, we both prefer to be outside and not on a, on a treadmill. So we're going to start this conversation talking about cold winter running, training considerations, shoe thoughts, maybe some clothing and gear uh, considerations like that. But Andrew, do you want to kick us off just talking about some of the things that you consider when you think about running in the winter as the, you know, weather conditions change?
1: Yeah, for sure. So the first thing I think about is, well, what time am I going to run? Normally, I run first thing in the morning, and during the week, that's pretty much just required with my schedule. But on the weekends in the summer, I usually try to get out early because it's hot. But when it's going to be maybe 15 degrees at 8 a.m., I'll tend to wait a little bit for it to warm up, especially if I have a workout to do. Because doing intervals in 15-degree weather versus doing intervals in, like, the upper 20s or low 30s if you wait a few hours can make a big difference in how your body feels. So I definitely look at that, like, hourly forecast and see, okay, when is going to be the sweet spot for doing my workout if my schedule gives me that flexibility. Um, the other thing I look at besides temperature, of course, is the wind. It similar to Wisconsin, it's super windy here and it might be better to run a little bit earlier if it's colder, but the winds aren't going to be as bad as if I waited later in the day. How about your, what do you do to, in terms of timing your runs? Yeah,
0: I think in my life phase with like young kiddos, my, my timing is kind of dictated by them. So I, I, if I get to go on a weekend when it's not during a work workday, um, it would be during their nap time, which is the a window in the afternoon. So sometimes that ends up being a really nice spot to slide something in. But usually it's right now at this current life phase, it's just getting and gutting through whatever the weather's throwing at me in the morning. And I think for me, sometimes the hardest part about that is just how dark it is because you have yeah. the darkness combined with the surfaces. Like because, like I said, we've had this snow and the ice layer underneath it. Combining uh, like v- significant darkness with that that type of ground underneath is tricky, and it right. and, and I think it really changes how I go into most of my runs through the winter. Like I personally have a really hard time signing up for a spring marathon as a Wisconsinite because I don't Mm -hmm. want to try to do workouts in the winter. I just want to just go out and and exist out in the road if I can um, and just try to enjoy being out there. But that's, I think that's a whole other consideration is what do you think about for you? Like, what do you think about when it comes to workouts and training schedule and things like that when it comes to winter running?
1: Yeah. Similarly, you know, I've thought about what year do I want to do Boston and I just – I don't want to have that pressure of doing super long runs in the winter here. Yeah. Because, again, we've had great winters where, like, it rarely gets below the 20s and we get little snow. And then we've had winters where we've gotten, like, 10 feet of snow and the snow never melts and the roads are a mess. And while I've done super long runs on the treadmill before, it's Mm. just not really what I want to do. So. Right now uh, fall marathons are more of my focus, but I, you know, I still do fairly decent mileage in the winter time, but it's nice not having like a two hour plus workout to do when it's cold and icy and snowy.
0: Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I think something that I think about too is that with the workouts types of things, I think that there's, depending on the ground underneath you, like especially with what we have with the ice, there's such a difference between trying to hit paces. Like usually I'm not trying to hit pace anyway. I try to go more effort-based training, but I think especially in winter, like giving Mm -hmm. myself a lot more slack when it comes to what I'm hitting pace wise, if I am going to do a workout, because I might just be slipping on the snow for, you know, even if it's mild slipping. So I think that's pretty important too. And even the, when I'm not as confident because of how dark it is too, That is just as fatiguing sometimes as some, you know, it just makes the surface feel even more unstable when you can't see what's going on.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, there's one thing about, like, having the mental strength to get out there when it's dark and cold, but it's another thing. You can be as mentally strong as you want, but there are just some times where it's not safe to be out running, Mm -hmm. and particularly it's not safe to be out trying to run fast. So... I think everybody has to, like, know themselves and know where they run and know what's risky and what's not. But I definitely tend to err on the safer side when it comes to workout days because, like you said, I don't want to go out there and be worrying about falling on black ice if I'm trying to hit a particular intensity level. I'd rather be inside on the treadmill even though – I don't particularly like doing workouts <laughs> on the treadmill. It's better than being outside and worrying about falling and getting hurt. Yeah,
0: I think that actually sparked my my mind too. I, I what I did a lot. We just moved this fall, so I have to figure out what I'm going to do now. But at our old house, we lived right by downtown, mm-hmm. and the nice thing about downtown is that there's a lot of, and we're in a small town of like thirty thousand people, um, and and then. From here, the next town's like over a half hour away, (laughs) and it's just woods between that. But like the the nice thing about downtown is that it's completely lit, and it's Mm -hmm. the first place to get cleared by the plows and salted or sand or whatever. And so usually my runs were either in one of two places, downtown or campus, because campus, they do a really good job taking care of the stuff around at UWSP. And so Mm -hmm. I think that that has been a helpful way to get miles in and feel more safe doing it um, and doing workouts in the middle of the road at 5am. Cause I had to take right. it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good point there. For, no matter where you live, there probably is like one or two places that are safer than others to run. For me, there's a local like corporate park. That's only a couple miles away. It's a loop that it's a little under a mile. It has like, 80 feet of elevation gain every lap. So it's a nice and challenging, but it's always cleared because there are so many businesses back there. And because it's not a through road, I can run in whatever part of the road I want and not really have to worry about cars. So that is where I tend to go when all of the other roads are too messy because I can be more confident running there. And if you're doing laps, you see where the black ice is or you see where the sketchy patches are and you can just avoid them. Whereas if you're just doing a, you know, point to point or looped run, you are going to be constantly surprised.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a big, that's a good point. And I think, so from what I'm hearing from you, timing of our runs can be really helpful. Finding a time of day that is going to be optimal in terms of, especially for those really cold stretches. Um, like I said, windshield negative negative thirty-seven. I have still gone out in that, which is maybe not advisable. But my my friend, uh, who's who runs year-round outside regardless, says there's no such thing as bad weather, just the wrong gear. That's his that's his take on it. Um, and we can go we'll go into some gear stuff later. But timing in your runs, thinking about workouts and changing your intensity based off of maybe more about what the effort is than trying to hit a certain type of you know pace or anything like that can be really helpful finding safer spots that are better plowed and more well lit can be really helpful the other question i had for you is what do we know about changes in like physiological expenditure hydration um do are there changes with heart rate like what do we know about that and running in colder weather
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just like running in warmer weather changes all of those factors running in cold weather does. Although I think people don't tend to think about that as much as they think about running in the heat, because Mm -hmm. when you're running in the heat, you can really feel the effect of that on your, on everything. It feels harder. You feel it slower. You actually should slow down. But um, a lot of research has found that like around, 48 to 52 degrees is about the optimal temperature for distance running. Like that's where marathons are the fastest, et cetera. Um, so once you get above or below that temperature, you actually should adjust your paces a little bit to make sure that you're actually matching your goal effort. So we talk a lot about running f- by feel rather than running by pace because. Usually when your coach or, you know, whatever book you're reading assigns a pace, that is like the optimal pace under optimal conditions, meaning like around 50 degrees, low humidity, no wind. And I don't know about you, Nathan, but we don't have those optimal conditions here very often. Nope. Um, (laughs) There aren't many places that do. So you've always got to adjust your pace based on the conditions. And it's important to learn how different effort levels feel. So like, what does marathon pace feel like? What does threshold feel like? What does 5K pace feel like? What does running easy feel like? Because the number on your watch is going to be different in a host of different conditions. So it's good to practice that in training because it will prepare you for races where you might have these adverse conditions, but you haven't prepared yourself for how to adjust your pace based on those conditions.
0: And that's a huge mental shift. I think that's, I know you're, you, you coach some athletes. I get to work with a few athletes too. And I think that's one of the hardest mental shifts to do is to not call a certain run a failure. If it's slower based on what you think you should run and, um, it's harder to think of, you know, cumulative benefit of running versus, like, one little run. Um, you know, you that effort-based running, if you can be in a certain zone of intensity over the stretch of a year, that's mm-hmm. going to be what gets you the changes that you want versus exactly. one, one run to... To make or break your your season, so uh, there is so much mental that goes into being able to run well in the winter oh, and yeah. taking into consideration the drop in temperature. The other thing I was curious if you had any thoughts about this. So in the summer, it's pretty obvious you get really hot and you start sweating a ton, and mm-hmm. you're like, I need to hydrate because I am sweating everything out of my body. Um, what does it look like in the winter? Is there hydration? concerns in the winter dehydration concerns what does that look like
1: absolutely well depending how you dress you're still going to sweat if you overdress you're going to sweat a lot and in the cold weather that can cause even more problems because when your sweat cools down that can lead to hypothermia but you need to hydrate when you're running in cold weather just like you need to hydrate when you're running in perfect weather and when you're running in hot weather so if you're doing a harder workout, or if you're doing a longer run, you probably should bring a bottle with you or plan on doing a loop so you can go back to your car and drink. Don't assume that just because it's cold out, you don't need to drink because you're absolutely can and will get dehydrated. The other thing is typically in the winter, the humidity is lower. So the air is drier. So your sweat is going to evaporate faster. And that can also contribute to becoming dehydrated faster. So don't neglect your hydration needs just because it's cold. I still carry a bottle with me on the same runs I would in the summertime. Although, you know, in the summer if it's 80 out, I'm carrying a bottle on a 45 minute easy run. I don't really do that in the winter time. But for workouts or for longer runs, I'm still definitely carrying a bottle. One trick um, that I highly recommend is if you're running in sub-freezing weather. Don't carry water. Carry something that has an electrolyte mix in it because that will keep it from freezing. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's a big deal. <laughs> that made me think of. Have you seen the Barclays Marathon? Yes. Um, I think it was in that or another documentary where they had all of the water set out, but it' had all frozen. So, it was oh like, yeah. <laughs> well, that's not going to be helpful for anybody. No, um, no. <laughs> that's a really good point. I I think. Sort of like in the summertime when it's really windy or slightly overcast, it feels like you're not going to get sunburnt. That's Mm -hmm. kind of what it's like with winter running and dehydration, where it's almost more sneaky in that you are losing your hydration without knowing it because of you're not feeling as much sweat necessarily because it might evaporate more quickly, like you said. Um, I think even with very cold temperatures, some of our thirst... um, like the sensation of thirst is diminished because of the colder temperatures. And so we don't feel our natural inclination to take water when we are thirsty because of the colder temperatures too. So forcing yourself to have good hydration habits like you're talking about can be really, really helpful.
1: Right. Because remember, by the time you feel thirsty, you're already dehydrated. So you need to stay ahead of that feeling of thirst. And of course, everybody has different sweat rates. So... If you know that you have a high sweat rate and in the summertime you have to drink bottles and bottles, you probably don't have to drink as much as you do in the summer as you will in the winter, but you still need to drink. Bottom line is you still need to drink. Yeah,
0: definitely. So let, let's start talking. Oh, do you have something else that you want to say?
1: Yeah, I, just one other thing about like physiological effects of running in the cold. I know so many people who have cold-induced asthma and- mm. There are probably a lot of people out there who have it but don't know. So if you are a athlete or runner or a cyclist or whatever who, when you're training in cold weather, like when I say cold, probably below freezing, and you just feel like you can't breathe as well, when you get back from your run, you're coughing or wheezing, It's possible, again, I'm not a physician, so I'm not diagnosing you, but you could very well have cold-induced asthma, and that's something that you should talk to your doctor about. People who have that might consider when they have hard workouts to do and it's cold to do those inside, and then if you have an easier recovery run, do that outside if that doesn't affect your breathing. But cold-induced asthma is a real thing. You can have no other symptoms the rest of the year, but in the very cold, dry air, have trouble breathing, coughing, wheezing, and that very well could be a sign of cold-induced asthma.
0: I'm really glad you brought that up. That's really helpful. Um, When it comes to staying warm, either before runs, after runs, during runs, are there certain strategies that you have to keep yourself as comfortable as possible. And maybe as you talk about it, you can say like when it's like you said, below freezing or a certain yeah. temperature, this is what I recommend or this is what I do.
1: So um, I think many of our listeners know that I have recently come back to running from cycling and riding in the winter is a thousand times worse than running in the winter, of course, because you're <laughs> going faster Yeah. when you're going downhill, you're not exerting yourself. So it's easy to get cold. So I have learned so many tricks from riding in winter temperatures that have helped me tremendously with running because running in the winter is like a joy compared to riding in the winter. (laughs) So the first, the most important thing you can do before going out for a run in cold weather. And when I say cold weather, I really mean like below freezing. If it's in the thirties, that's really not going to be a big deal unless it's very windy or if it's raining. In those cases, you do want to make some effort to start out your run warm, making sure you're dressed appropriately, because 35 degrees with 30 mile per hour winds and rain feels pretty miserable. Um, So you've got to be prepared for that. But so if let's say I'm going out for a run and it's in the teens. So if I'm leaving from home, I'm going to make sure that I've turned the heat up before I go outside. Like, I want to start the run warm. I don't want to start my run, like, walking out my front door already cold. Um, you want to get moving immediately as soon as you get outside. Like, I, you know, hit my start button on my watch so it starts picking up the GPS before I walk out my front door because I don't want to be standing outside not moving For any longer than I need to be. You know, make sure your shoelaces are good, get your gloves on, all that. Like, once you're out the door, get going. While I'm running, I really pay attention to the wind because we all know running into the wind feels a lot different than running with the wind. So, when you're running into the wind, you're going to be colder than when you've got the wind at your back. So, when I'm running into a headwind, I'm bundled up as much as I can. You know, everything's fully zipped. as warm as possible, but then if I have a tailwind, I might unzip my jacket a little bit. Or again, it depends like on the actual temperature. I'm probably not going to take like a hat or an earband off in 20 degrees. Um, but you want to you want to try to modulate your body temperature based on which direction regarding the wind you're heading. Similarly, if you're doing a workout. Unzip when you're doing your intervals so you don't overheat during that part. Sweat is like your worst enemy in the cold because as soon as you sweat a lot and then your body temperature drops if you are done with your workout and just cooling down, that's when you're going to freeze. So often I'll like do my warm-up with a vest on and with like heavier gloves and then when it's time to start doing the actual workout part of the day, I'll take the vest off, I'll take the heavy gloves off and put some thinner ones on, do my workout, and then as soon as I'm done with the hard part of the day, put my vest back on, put my now dry heavy gloves on, take the thinner gloves off that are probably sweaty. Because anytime I've done a workout in the cold weather, I'm not cold during the workout. I get frozen on my cool down. And that that can really make a workout miserable. So you want to make sure that when you're cooling down and your body temperature is coming down a little bit, that your body is still going to be warm enough. And then of course, as soon as you're done with your workout, don't stand around outside talking to your friends, go inside (laughs) somewhere, change out of your sweaty clothes, wet, cold clothing is a recipe for hypothermia like mm-hmm. I tend to get coldest after my runs, not during. Especially if I haven't changed immediately. So, get out of those sweaty clothes. Put something warm on. Drink something warm—coffee, tea, whatever—to help bring your body temperature back up.
0: Yeah, that's great. I. Uh,
1: Is there anything that you do? Yeah, maybe- there's
0: a lot of similarities from what you said. Um, one of the things I'll put on my. All of my running clothes about ten minutes before I go out, so I'm in mm-hmm. my house in my like la- all of my layers, so yep. that I feel pretty warm, not sweaty, yeah. but I feel mm-hmm. like toasty. Like I was like, it would feel nice to go outside. That's usually yes. when I know I'm ready <laughs> to go, so that uh-huh. my body is warm for those first. Because I find for for me the first like ten to twenty minutes is mm-hmm. cold, and then the rest of the run just even for me. So I'm in we're in January now. Most of the times when I run, it's going to be about. It's gonna be single digits for for yeah. a while now, and even in single digits, things feel great after I get through that first ten to twenty minutes. You're yeah. just you have that climate inside of the layers that you have on if you're dressed appropriately that keeps you warm, but it's just that first ten to twenty can be hard. So I like to actually warm up quite a bit before by putting my clothes on and just letting everything be just slightly warmer again, not sweaty, but slightly warmer than it would be before I go. And -hmm. then I, if it's a really cold day with, with wind, um, I have different routes that I run. So one of my favorite roads in Stevens point to run in the winter is Prentice street has a bunch of street lights and stuff, and it runs North South. And a lot of times the wind off the river is coming East West. So I'll go on to Prentice and I run, it's two miles down and back. And I just run two miles down and back, just like you said with the loop. And I just like that. I, We'll never be running straight into the wind, but I get a crosswind, which is just a lot less uh, intense. Um, and, you know, one side gets cold and then I turn around and come back and the other side gets cold. So it's just yep. this alternating rotisserie, <laughs> um, cold rotisserie. So I, I think that I, I alter my route based on wind uh, and, and temperatures and then, again, just trying to warm up before. And just like you said, you don't want to be dilly-dallying after you sweat um, because it can really make you cold and be dangerous if it's, if it's really, really cold. Um, especially when it's dipping below zero.
1: Yes. Yeah. And that's a good point about like wind can really shape your run. Right. And if you like where you live, probably if you went out into like outside of town, it's very open, right? There's not a lot blocking the wind. So nowhere in your area, you've got a lot of buildings blocking the wind, depending which direction the wind is coming from. Mm-hmm. There's a place that I like to go to do like shorter intervals, but it's wide open. So I hate going over there when it's super windy. Yeah. One, because I get cold, but two, it you, it's okay to do intervals in like 10 to 20 mile per hour wind. But if you've got like a 30 mile per hour headwind, that sometimes it's better to just go pick a different place that day. <laughs> yeah,
0: totally. <laughs> yeah. It's just not worth it.
1: Well, every workout doesn't have to be like a maximal mental stress day. Sometimes (laughs) it's okay to pick a place that's still going to let you get your workout in without, you know, destroying your mind.
0: Right. (laughs) we can enjoy running in the winter too, it can be fun. Um, So let's talk a little bit about start going into gear and how we can use that as a tool in the winter. So let's start with talking about shoes. We'll probably talk a little bit about considerations for uppers maybe some midsole conversation and then also outsoles and kind of what we've leaned towards ourselves as well as what we consider when choosing a shoe. So what kind of thoughts do you have on shoes?
1: The biggest thing for me, and I'm sure for you too, is one, the upper, if it's really thin, your feet are going to freeze Two: the outsole needs to have enough rubber coverage or it has to have features that actually give you traction if the roads are slippery. So it doesn't necessarily have to be like a dedicated winter shoe, but one shoe that I've really been enjoying using thus far this winter is the Saucony Speed 3 Run Shield. The upper, I wore it. It was, I think it was like 18 degrees last week, and I had like a 30-minute tempo to do, and there was no way of avoiding the wind because I was going to do kind of a big loop, Um So I wore that shoe. My feet were warm the whole time, like didn't feel the wind at all because this upper is so thick and it's not waterproof, but it's water resistant, which also helps it just be almost impervious to wind. The other thing that I really like about this shoe is the rubber coverage on the outsole. Um, While I haven't had a chance to use it in like icy or snowy conditions yet, it's great on wet roads. And we always have sand on our roads because that's what they put down in the wintertime. And same thing, like, good traction on that. Um, besides, like, the Run Shield, which is designed for bad weather, any shoe that has an upper that's more than one layer, like, even the mesh uppers, those keep your feet pretty warm. For me, when I run, my feet are rarely what are cold unless I'm wearing a shoe that is just so breathable, like, the Endorphin Pro 3, my feet get cold if it's, you know, in the teens or below. Um, same thing with, like, the New Balance Pacer. Um, that sh- The mesh is so open, you definitely feel the wind. So it doesn't take a lot in terms of upper features to keep my feet warm, but I would definitely say the composition of the outsole makes the biggest difference in terms of traction. Yeah,
0: I agree. I think it, uh, there's two considerations for me. It's either t- how does temperature dictate it, or how does the terrain, like whatever t- type of snow or ice is down that day, how does that dictate the shoe consideration? And like you said, you know, I'm holding the Hyperion Max, and this is a single layer of thin mesh upper with holes that are completely see through. And something like that, my feet would probably get a little bit cold in the winter. Um, and I was going to talk about the run shield stuff from Saucony as well. Sometimes it's hard to pick a, buy a shoe specifically for like winter running or like an upper, but something like this, I know David's been using it in California and seventies and hasn't had overheating issues either. So it kind of, it's like, Oh, maybe you can get away with it. And plus I like the fit of this better than the, uh, the original one anyway, but I did a 10-miler in these shoes, and it was single digits that day at the start of our run, and my feet were, were perfectly warm, and it felt great. Um, it wasn't really snowy or anything yet. I do like the rubber coverage, and I just wish one of the things I look for, now going to the outsold conversation, is more the more ribbing in the rubber, the better. So something like the Speed 3 uh, Run Shield version here it has some mild ribbing, but not a whole heck of a lot. But it's better than something like um, the Trinusa 14. So like this in the Glide Ride series, I've, I've ran a number of winters in this iteration of their outsole, and it's pretty brutal. There's just no nowhere for the rubber to latch onto because it's pretty flat and pretty flush versus having some form of texture. Um, a shoe, just like a regular running shoe that I've enjoyed running in the winter and in general because of the outsole combined with a layered mesh upper, is the Wave Rider series. They just have a more premium, thicker upper combined with more uh, ribs within the outsole. So there are shoes that you don't have to buy specialty stuff for that can work, um, but sometimes that specialty stuff is nice. Like the Run Shield is a really nice upper, I think, Definitely. on all the models that they use it for. Um Sometimes when it's getting more snowy, I'll start to take out some trail shoes into the snow. So I've done that a number of times this year. Um, like, so this is the Tecton X. So you you just get, and I I don't like super big lugs for winter usually, but these are four millimeter lugs. Um, max I like to go as six. Um, so I'll use something like that. And a shoe that was sent to us this year that I have, I have two, three runs in it. Um, we had a huge snowstorm and some of the ice and i wanted to see what it was like. Um, and you have this shoe too, but I know you haven't had the weather yet to do them, but it's La Sportiva. Um, they Cyclone GTX, um, cross shoe. And so it's got a built-in gator with the kind of this semi permeable membrane on the top. It's got a Gore-Tex upper. It has these super, I mean, it's what you'd want in grip. They're very sharp edged kind of, uh, what are these called? Oh, now you're making
1: me forget to.
0: My gosh. (laughs) Lugs. Lugs. Thank you. The lugs (laughs) on the bottom. They have very (laughs) sharp edged lugs, which is really nice for even like more firmly packed snow slush or kind of the ice stuff, having the sharper edges, I find has been super helpful. And I really do like this shoe. Um, and my, my foot has definitely stayed warm in a, you know, when you have a waterproof upper, you just get no permeation of like heat going in or out. So your, your foot's going to stay warm, but I've also liked on the slut, like the really snowy, like it was deep snow and slushy days, having, having a gator on, I would never have actually, I've never done that before. And I don't know if I would be able to spring my own money for this shoe, if I'm being honest, because it's over $200. but it was nice to have that so that snow wasn't falling into the top of my shoe. Cause I've gotten home plenty of times in winter and especially as it's thawing and there's a lot of slush where my socks are just soaked because I've gotten a lot of snow that's fallen in through the top of the shoe. So this from like an ultimate winter running shoe, I think that they did a f- fantastic job and I love having it to use. It's just hard to pull a trigger sometimes for $200 unless you're going to use it. You know, it feels right, like yeah. a cross country ski boot that's made for running. Um, And I, I appreciate it. It's, I think the other thing that I wanted to bring up too in regards to shoes is midsole density or not even density. That's the wrong word, but the, the feeling of firmness or softness of a midsole, um, When it's really snowy, I prefer something more firm. I want something that – because going on top of the snow, you're already getting kind of that unstable but cushioned surface. It feels really nice. So even having something like the Speed 3, I wouldn't like this on a lot of snow because it's already softer, Um, whereas this shoe – the La Sportiva one is a really firm outsole, like it's or midsole. It's very, very firm, and it even has some kind of rigid plastic pieces that are inserted into the shoe. But I really like that when I'm running on a layer of snow because it's not like I have to have two soft surfaces on top of each other. So I've appreciated the firmness of of a midsole plus. Foams, if they sit out in cold too long, they will firm up, um, which is just something to consider as well.
1: Oh, yeah. And we've all noticed that some shoes, the midsole feels completely different in the wintertime than running in warmer temperatures. So that's kind of something you just have to test out. And you might like a particular shoe in the winter a little better than you do in the summer or vice versa. So it's just trial and error, seeing what works for you. Um, I definitely agree that when running on snow, it's nicer to have a firmer midsole because it gives you better ground feel. You don't need something soft on top of soft snow. You need some way of feeling what's going on underneath your foot. Um, besides, I... I can't say that I want to get enough snow to test this, but I'm sure (laughs) that it's coming. Um, But in the past, the shoe that has really worked well for me on snow is the Saucony Peregrine. Mm. That shoe has the Mm -hmm. best grip in snow. Like I've done trail runs in like four or five inches of fresh snow and had no issues like my friend and I actually freaked out some people hiking because we were running in it without any problems. <laughs> <laughs> do so, you have the
0: regular version or do you have the ice version of the Peregrine?
1: The regular version.
0: Yeah, the yeah. regular version. Yeah, yeah.
1: I I have never tested the ice dot. Do you know what the specific difference is between the regular outsole and the ice dot?
0: Yes, I'll grab it. It's worth it. Give me ten seconds. Fill the air with something.
1: So the Peregrine has. A very, I, I think the lugs are uh, six millimeters. Do you know, Nathan? Are the lugs on the Peregrine four or six millimeters?
0: I believe they're. I believe they're six. Yeah. Um, and what they do with the ice version, for those of you who are watching, you can see that they flatten out some of the lugs, so they're a little bit wider. And then they have a material that's technically supposed to kind of like melt and grip the ice as you as you run across it. I and, and the surface of it feels more. Like a very fine sandpaper is what the the surface feels like. I have not taken these out yet, so I can't speak to it. But they replace that. What they do with it is they replace some of the forefoot and some of the midfoot with these wider, more sandpapery type lugs that have some kind of technology that's supposed to interact well with ice. Um, I wish I I wish I could speak to it. But the upper is is their kind of Run Shield type upper, so it's really nice and comfortable and right now is going to be the perfect time for me to try this because it, like I said, it's pure ice out there right now.
1: Yeah. So I'll have to take
0: them out this week now that I'm feeling better.
1: Yeah. And report back.
0: Yes, we'll do. So let's talk about some fun stuff too, in terms of gear and how you kind of layer up. Um, We'll kind of go through some of our favorites, the stuff that are almost our necessities from top to bottom. Um, So what do you, what do you got that that's some of your favorite stuff?
1: All right, so I definitely take a minimal approach to layering. I I just don't like wearing four layers, so I want base layers that do their job without me needing to have, like, another layer between that and my jacket. So the absolute hands-down best base layer I have is actually a cycling base layer. It's from a company called Q36.5. The base layer, it's super thin, But I have worn it as my only underlayer in, like, single digits under a warm running jacket and have been perfectly fine. The thing that I like about it, besides the fact that it's thin, is the back is almost completely vented, like – it looks like it's full of holes. So it really keeps you from getting that gross, sweaty feeling on your back and helps you just manage your body temperature better because you're not getting bogged down with sweat. Um, so typically, if it's like if it's above freezing, I'm probably going to be – well, I'll be in shorts if I'm doing a workout um, and probably like a long sleeve, like the – uh, Tracksmith Brighton base layer is really my go-to for like warmer runs. If it's below freezing, I have my legs covered just because I feel like I stiffen up if it's colder than that outside. Um, so like in the twenties, pair of tights, a really thin base layer and like a lightweight jacket. I usually wear like an earband and, you know, moderate weight gloves. If it's Below 20, I might throw on like a sleeveless base layer underneath like a long sleeve base layer and then a little bit of a heavier coat. But I, I really try not to load up on clothing because I feel like sometimes that can just trap sweat more and make me colder. How about you? What are I, I know you live in a much colder climate than I yeah, do. Yeah. I'll kind um, of go I'll go a little <laughs> bit
0: further down on the temperature yeah, uh, spectrum here. So I'm similar to you. If it's above thirty, especially at the end of winter, I'm in like shorts and a T shirt because we're yeah. just so acclimated to it. But um, if it's if it's above freezing, I'm not really I wear a long sleeve and a pair of shorts, whatever. Mm-hmm. When I'm in the twenties, I'm usually putting on a pair of tights. My favorite tights I've had I bought these Ooh, three or four years ago. It's an old pair of just like medium thickness rabbit tights. Um, They don't sell this version anymore, but they've just lasted a long time and they're not ultra thin. They have a little bit of thickness to them, but they're not fleece. Um, I find the fleece ones usually too warm for most runs. So I like that kind of medium thickness tight. Um, And so that anything kind of in the, in the twenties and down, I'll start to put on some, uh, on those tights. Um, And if I stick with the kind of lower with my legs, Anytime I'm getting 12 degrees below a lot of single digit stuff, I'll have my tights on and then I'll throw on a pair of joggers over the top. And if it's really windy, a lot of, I don't have a pair of my own, but a lot of people I know around here use wind briefs as well, um, which are pretty important for keeping everything warm as well. So, but if I have double layer, I'm usually pretty good for my legs down, you know, I think about last year, I was on a run that was wind chill negative 25, a 10 miler, which is just, I don't know why I choose to do those things, but it's just, (laughs) I don't know. Um, But I felt warm the whole time and I just had two layers of of pants on for that. And the the joggers that I use are more windproof so that they're not letting things just kind of like blow through. Um, And then for base layers, um, there's kind of like my warmer temperature base layer is just anything single layer that's just not too bad so warmer for me is like 20s um 20s and up um just a long sleeve that i can put under i like quarter zips a lot so my favorite quarter zip i think there's two companies that i wear for most of my winter running mizuno their breathe thermo stuff oh, and yeah. then and then rabbit so those are like the two companies in terms of what i've found that i like but like they the breathe thermo quarter zip is one that i'll use from like 15 degrees up um but it gets too warm in like the thirties. So that's when I'll just have again, that single um, single layer long sleeve. Um, But if it's colder than that, I, I had this one sent to me this year and it's been awesome. Um, It's the rabbit cocoon 2.0. And so it's a thicker, thicker base layer. Um, so I use, I've used it on its own at like upper teens and it's been great. And it has a built in balaclava on it that you can either like bring up or keep down. It's really expensive. Again, like if I hadn't been sent it, would I buy it? I don't know. Maybe, (laughs) um, that's up to the people like who would have to buy it, but I'm using it weekly, you know, twice a week, I'm using this, this base layer because it has a little bit more thickness that so I don't have to have four or five layers. I can wear this plus like my breathe, breathe, thermo vest that I like to put just for some windproofing through the chest. Um, but I think for me, the thing that, cause my chest usually does fine. My legs do fine. I find like it's hands, like keeping yeah. my hands warm is key. And so pretty much what I, what I do for that is I have a thin layer of like fleece gloves. Um, I, I use Breathermal thermal ones, or I have like some Nathan gloves, um, that are just thin that I use. But the, the thing that saves me in the winter are these things that I bought on Amazon, like 10 years ago. I don't even know what brand they are. I couldn't even tell you. Oh, uh, Gordini. Gordini so they're Gordini gloves that I found on Amazon but they're just windproof mittens and what I love about them is that they have when when I have a mitten all of the heat from my fingers interact with each other they're not in their like own separate compartments and having the windproof on these mittens allows them to really warm up so a lot of my runs I wear these they're really lightweight but they're windproof and so I put them in the mittens over those first 10 to 20 minutes my hands warm up to the point where they're just like Totally fine, full dexterity. I'm not like nice, Ugh, like trying yeah. to move my hands, <laughs> and then I just take them off and I throw them in my tights at the end, uh, or like during for the rest of the run, yeah, because my hands are warm enough. But they, I think these things say, save my hands, like when I'm in negative. 25 degrees or whatever, I wear these in a thin layer and I do just fine. So That's awesome. um, I I really appreciate windproofing for my hands. And then you can always slide them on and off and put them in, you know, if you have a vest on, you probably have pockets that you can throw things like gloves into that you could use and not use. So um, it almost feels like a challenge, like the weather is challenging you.
1: (laughs) Well, and I don't know about you, but every winter i have to remind myself like what i wear for different conditions like totally oh it's 20 out with 20 mile per hour winds what should i wear so i'm not hot or cold and like the first like month of winter i usually mess up a few times and then i remember oh yeah this is what i wear in these conditions
0: do you mess up too warm or do you mess up too cold like are you usually sweaty or are usually too cold
1: you know, it depends. Sometimes I'll be like, "Oh, stop being a wimp. You'll warm up." And then I come back frozen. Yeah. Or it's like, "Oh my gosh, it's freezing out. I need to wear all of the clothes." And then, you know, I feel hotter than I did on the hottest summer day by the yes. time I get back. So, totally. Either I would always rather overheat than be cold. So, yep. Logically, it's better to overdress, but sometimes you know you just say to yourself, "Oh, you'll be fine," and then you quickly discover that you are not.
0: Yes, I I'm with you. I I have to remember, (laughs) and it always takes one or two to figure out. Like this is what 25 means. This is what 15 means. This is what zero means, and then you're you're good to go. If if it were me, if I were to say, if you were going to invest in stuff to do running outside, because I do think there is some. Wisdom to what my friend said. There's no such thing as bad weather, just the wrong gear. Like, if you want right. to invest in something, my take would be investing in a good base layer, get something yep. really good, get some really good tights, and mm-hmm. then find some good gloves. And if you can get right. those three things, you could probably makeshift the rest. Um, Because you can yeah. layer stuff that's not as nice, but there is something to be said about a nice, um, like you said, with the st- structure of your base layer. It does a lot that other just gear that you could buy can't do.
1: Absolutely. And the one, the number one most important tip for running in cold weather is don't wear cotton. Cotton does not wick. So if you have a cotton t-shirt as your base layer, you are guaranteed to freeze. So it needs to be a performance fabric that has like polyester or spandex in it to help wick the sweat away from your body
0: so andrea and i apparently had such a good time talking about cold weather that this whole episode and this time that we recorded ended up going for about an hour and a half so what we did is we're going to end today's episode here and next week we will pick up our conversation as we transition into talking about treadmill running and the differences as they relate to physiology and biomechanics and training considerations if you're planning to use a treadmill and how it compares to overground running so we'll see you all next week on next week's episode I'm not the one